for those of you who don't know me, the visitors, my name's Ian, I'm one of the elders, and uh, I have a sermon prepared for this morning, and it's sitting in my laptop in that bag, and God doesn't want me to use it. So this is going to be interesting. But, so I have no idea how long this is going to go. I don't know what I'm going to say. I've got some ideas. We're going to see what God's going to do. Um, I do suggest you take notes because I might not have notes afterwards to share with you if you don't remember what I said. So that might be good. I've got some notes, but we'll see. Um, but I want to say this is not a gimmick for the visitors. Um, we're a, a God-fearing, Bible-believing, Spirit-led church. That's what we are. And a lot of people say that, but we really mean it. Um, and that means that sometimes we'll miss it. That means sometimes we'll get it wrong. You might have felt this morning, I don't know how many of you felt it, but I felt this morning like this morning was really hard, but maybe it was just me. But it felt like it was just trying to find rhythm, trying to find momentum. And there were moments when, when God was moving, and then there were moments when it was almost like, what are we going to do next? What's going to happen next? And I felt like God was doing that on purpose because He wanted us to fight for something. He doesn't want us to arrive and just be like, we're going to play church. And then an hour later or an hour and a half later, we're going to go home and, and life goes on. But it really felt like God wanted to do something specific this morning. So, so I had a sermon prepped and about halfway through the, w the week, I said to God, I don't know if this is what you want me to share this week. So um, give me faith for it or do something else. And by something else, I was really hoping somebody else would arrive this morning with a sermon that they were keen to preach, and I could just step aside. And uh, <laughs> I'm always very scared when people walk at me during the service. <laughs> so, so what I'm going to share is going to be a collection of some of the things you might have heard already this morning. A couple of quotes. I'm going to I'm going to share with you a school um, war cry. That's an interesting one, yeah, that God, God reminded me of this morning. It's actually something I've been working on during the holidays. It's very strange, but it's God. Um, and then I've got some scriptures which I gave to, uh, to Michelle. Please have grace for Michelle. I only just gave her scriptures. So if she doesn't have them up and running, don't worry, it's not her fault. Uh, it is, well, we're not gonna blame God, but you know, it is his fault. Um, <laughs> So if you want to give, if you're taking notes and you want to you title, he graciously gave me a title because I love titles. And the title for this is Set Your Eyes of Faith on Jesus. And um, I was thinking about it this week, the last two weeks or so, and, and how do you start off the year? What, you know, how does God want to start off the year? And, and the thought I had was, okay, we're going to have a picnic. It's a nice soft way to start the year. You know, people can come in and relax and just see each other again and, and catch up. And then we'll go into the first service and, and I'll, do a, I'll do a soft sermon. I'll do something that kind of gets people back into the swing of things. And that's what's in the bag over there. It's a nice, beautiful, soft sermon. Um, but God doesn't want to do that this morning. So the word this morning, it might cut you. And if it does, that's good. 
And if it does, this, this is not the kind of message that you bring just for the sake of saying something on a Sunday, but, but I'm really trusting that God will speak to you, that it's not my words as Jethro was saying, that it's, these are God's words that He's going to speak to you. And if, and if it is God, please respond, um, because that, yeah, there's nothing anybody can do if you, if you don't let Him touch you. So the first quote I want to share is from Jethro, and Jethro said this morning in the prayer meeting, and again, I want to plug the prayer meeting for those of you that weren't there. It's open to all. We don't have a closed prayer meeting. It is an open for anybody who wants to come, and it's literally just the start of the service. This is not the start. You know, when we come forward and, and somebody grabs the mic, that's not the start of the service. The prayer meeting's the start of the service, because that's I mean, that's not even really the start of the service because we're just trying to find God the whole time. That's the point of why do we meet on a Sunday? Because we're here to meet with Jesus, um, like Ian says. <laughs> but the quote from Jethro is, there is no plateau in Christianity. So I honestly don't care, and Jesus doesn't care. If you got saved five minutes ago when Jethro was, sending, uh, was, was sharing the gospel, or if you were saved 50 years ago, it doesn't really matter how long ago you were saved. You are not the fullness of what God has for you because there are no plateaus in Christianity. In other things, you know, you know like, uh, I can't think of what the different ones are, but, but maybe it's Buddhism, I guess it's like karate. There's like stages of what you can achieve. And like, I'm thinking of karate and you can get different colored belts and then, and then you get to black belt. And I always thought black belt was the end of it. And I'm, I'm, I'm not into karate if anybody's offended by me. I'm not, uh, but I just know about it. And then like after black belt, there's like other levels and then, and then it seems to end, and I'm like, that must be so boring when you get to the top of it, and you're like, now what do I do? And then you become like Jackie Chang, and you like move around the world beating people up. I mean, what else are you going to do? But in Christianity, there is no top. We never get there. And so if any of you are sitting here going, I've done well. I'm doing well in my Christianity. I'm actually walking in what God has for you, for me. The reality is that's rubbish. We're not walking in the fullness of what God has for us. We could be walking in a measure. Some of us this morning, unfortunately, I was crying my eyes out during worship. Some of us this morning are not walking in 1% of what God has for us. Some of us this morning, and again, I'm not a doomsday prophet, but there are people here this morning that are not going to make it into heaven. It's the reality. That's what God said. But none of us are walking in the fullness of what God has for us. And that's exciting. So I don't want us to all get, all get morbid and scared. Like, there's no fear in God. You just need to ask God to help you. But the reality is that unless we repent of the things that we're doing that aren't of God, it's not going to work out well for us. So in light of that, the second quote I want to share, Inga shared this also in the prayer meeting, and it's Jesus, it's, it was a picture, well, it's not really a quote, it was a picture, but Inga saw a picture of Jesus reaching out his hand. And that wasn't to some of us. That wasn't to like one of us of like, hey, God sees you and he's got time for you right now. You know, he's not human. He can reach out to all of us at the same time. And so there's that sense this morning that there are people that God is actively reaching out to right now. And if that's you, take his hand. That picture, of, that, picture that Michelangelo did in the Sistine Chapel of God's hand going out, and I think it's Adam's hand going up, 
That wouldn't be a great picture if it was just one-sided with God reaching out. It would be kind of pointless. But God is reaching out right now. And if, if you need him, please. And then the last quote is what, is what Warren shared. He shared it again in the prayer meeting, but then also when he opened in prayer. And he said, we need to rely on the Holy Spirit to stretch us. So thanks a lot, Warren, because that's what he's doing to me right now. But that's the reality. That is, and, and I could sit down after that. I could be like, we are not at the, at the pinnacle of what God has for us. But the good news is that Jesus is reaching out right now to help you. And you don't have to rely on your own strength. Because God wants to do it if you'll let him. All right? And then, and, and that is what I would love for us to achieve this year as a congregation, as individuals. Like, like Jethro was saying, if there's one thing, and this again was not my plan for the year. This is not I walked in this year going like, hey, this is the one thing I feel that I want to do this year. It, it's something that God said to me on Wednesday night. But if there's one thing we can celebrate at the end of this year, it's that we spent more time with Jesus than we did the year before. And you know what? Then comes 2024. And you know what we say then? I spent more time with Jesus than I did in 2023. And we keep going and we keep going and we keep going and we get to eternity. And what are we going to do for the whole of eternity? Spend time with Jesus. Because that is the pinnacle. And if that's the pinnacle, surely that's what we should be trying to do now. Otherwise, it's not the pinnacle. It doesn't make any sense. So my first scripture I want to put up, you can put up Matthew, Michelle, we can put up Matthew 12, and, and it's, so this morning I woke up and I was having my quiet time, and uh, I said, God, I still don't have faith for the sermon that you gave me, <laughs> I hope God gave it to me and I wasn't just wasting my own time, um, I still don't have faith for this. Can you give me something? Give me, give me something to work with. And Jesus gave me this verse. It's Matthew 12, 25. And I didn't know, I don't know my Bible off by heart. So I didn't know what it said. And I went and I opened it up. And it was talking of Jesus. And it said, knowing their thoughts. And that's as far as I got. Knowing their thoughts. And I don't know about you, but those are some scary words. And I started thinking about my thoughts. And I started thinking about Jesus knowing my thoughts. And then I started thinking about the Ten Commandments. And I thought about, you know, thou shalt not steal and thou shalt not commit adultery. And, and, and I was like, I'm really good at all of those things. I, tech, I generally don't steal. You know, it's, it's not something I generally struggle with. Um, I don't blaspheme. It's not something I struggle with. I, I don't want my neighbor's donkey. It's not something I struggle with. <laughs> and then God said to me, but remember when Jesus came and he said, 
If you call somebody a fool, you've committed murder. I was like, I've definitely called somebody a fool in the last 24 hours. Okay. In my head. In my head. And I was like, okay, so you know my thoughts. Where to from here? And it was a really, really scary thing. And so I want to say to you now, while you're sitting here, God knows your thoughts. He's not just somebody who's really good at guessing what you're thinking. He knows every single thing that you think. Even when you're not really thinking. And the thoughts are just kind of bouncing around in your head. He's there with you. He knows your thoughts. And by God's standards, if we sin in our heads, we sin. Because his standards are so much higher than ours. And that gets me suddenly thinking, are any of us going to make it? That, this, is, this is what God gave me to share. This was not my plan. Are any of us going to make it based on that standard? And if you read the rest of the, pas- the, 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 the scripture, we can put it up again. Thanks, Michelle. And this is, he's talking about, this context of the scripture is Jesus cast out a demon. Jesus did this amazing miracle. Jesus came and set somebody free of, of I think he was blind and mute or something. And the leaders of the day, the the Christians of the day, I don't want to say the elders of the day because, let's be honest, the Bible says we're a priesthood of all believers. So based on that standard, we are all possibly going to end up like Pharisees if we're not careful. So the, the, the leaders of the day, the Christians of the day are like, oh, he's doing it because Satan allows him to do it. How's that for a weird accusation of Jesus? But anyway, it's what they said. And he said, knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? Okay, so that's what Jesus was saying in the context. I do want to say what the context was, because I don't want anybody to say, oh, Ian's taking scripture out of context. That is the context of what he was saying. But there is a kingdom truth in what he is saying there as well. And if we go to the previous um, uh, verse again, he says, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no house divided against itself can stand. And I suddenly got thinking, whose kingdom do we serve? So he's talking about the kingdom of Satan, but there are two kingdoms. And he got me thinking about his kingdom. And then that got me thinking, well, what if his kingdom is divided? And then the word popped out at me, there's if no, no city or house divided. And then the word house got me thinking, what are we? We're the temple. That's what the Bible calls us. We're the temple of God. We're the house of God. We don't believe in buildings as a place where we meet with God. We are the people of God. We are the temple of God. God meets with us because we are his people. And then I got really scared because then I got thinking, what if we as God's people are divided? 
then his kingdom cannot stand. And please don't get me, <laughs> I'm not saying that without us, God can't persevere. Of course, God's kingdom will persevere. God's kingdom will endure. But it is a weighty thing for God if we sin. It is not a small thing for God if we sin. And I felt this check in me of we can't say this year that our challenge for this year, that our goal for this year, that our desire for this year is to spend more time with Jesus, but not be concerned with how we come to Him, with what we bring to Him, with the behavior that we've had, with the thoughts that we've had. God is calling us to be set apart, to be holy, to be pure, Jesus said he's coming back for a pure and spotless bride. It's a high standard that he's setting. And so the natural consequence of that thinking, and that's why I said what I said, was that if a divided kingdom cannot stand, then Jesus cannot come back. He cannot tolerate those of us that aren't completely sold out for him and his glory. And that is the standard, that is expectation, and, and that is what he wants for us. He wants us to seek him. Now, does that, God, does, it mean, does that mean that God expects you to be perfect? No. Because God said in 1 John 1, he says, if you say you're without sin, you're a liar. I want to balance this, this thing out. It's, I am not saying that we're all called now to be perfect. Because also if we were perfect, we wouldn't need God. What I'm saying is, are we zealous for the things of God? Are we willing to lay down anything that doesn't glorify God? Are we willing to lay down anything that doesn't have God at its center? So that we can be a people for his glory. There's, there's a, I'm not going to share this, but, but I was reading also through James chapter 1 this morning. And James chapter 1 is all about going through trials of temptation and facing the desires of our heart. And it ends off with James writing, and he says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And I'm not going to go into all of it. But there's that sense of as we go through life, as we go through the trials that God sets before us, and he gives us a way. In James 1, if you read it, he shows you how to persevere. He shows you how to come through. But the warning that James gives is that if you just hear what God wants you to do, but you don't actually act in obedience to what he is calling you to do, he says, not me, he says, deceiving yourself. You're a deceiver. You're deceiving yourself. If you think you can get through life just doing whatever you want, but, you know, coming to church and listening to the sermon and raising your hands in worship, you know, looking like a Christian on the outside, these are not bad things, but they're bad things if they're only on the outside. But we need to hear and we need to act on what God is asking of us. So, 
I wanted to ask, and this is a rhetorical question, you don't all have to come and grab the mic, but as you coming into 2023, as you walking your walk in God, what is your purpose? Question God asked me recently, what is your purpose? Why are you here? And that's why it was interesting that, Kate, that was not planned. Kate actually leaned over to me afterwards, and she said to me, is that what you're going to be preaching on after she shared what she said? For those of you who don't know, Kate's my wife. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm explaining this situation. But, but she leaned over afterwards and she said to me, is that what you're preaching on this morning? I said, it is now. <laughs> it isn't what I had planned, but it is now. And one of the things God said to me was, what is your purpose? What is your mission statement? What is it that you are planning to do this year? And if you haven't heard, I've got a, a, a bit of a mission statement. I don't actually know what to call it. Is it a vision statement or a purpose or a whatever? But I've got something that God gave me, and it's built out of the opening paragraphs of most of the letters of Paul. He says the same thing over and over and over, and I've summarized it, and it's what I live by. I've got it written on pretty much everything I own that I, that I can write on. Um, not my clothes, that would be weird, but everything else uh, in books and, and, and on walls and stuff. But, but my purpose statement goes along the lines of, in the will of God, by the grace of God, for the glory of God, and for the sake of the elect, or for the sake of the flock, or for the sake of his people, that's, that's what I do. And so anything that doesn't fit into that, I can't do it. I can't say it. I can't be it. If it's not God's will, I can't go through with it. If it doesn't glorify God, I can't do it. If, if, it, if it isn't by the grace of God, if it's in my strength, I shouldn't do it. And that's mine. I don't want you guys to all write that down and copy it and then become a cult of Ian <laughs> who walks around repeating my mantra. No, please no. That's mine. You guys go find your own. But, but that is something that God gave me. And that is everything I do. And whenever there's a question mark in my life of, is this of God? Well, does it fit into that? Yes or no? Does it fit into Scripture? And then that, that got me thinking into, you know, the different people that have followed God's mission and what it's achieved in them. And it got me thinking, we were, we were singing about Jesus on the cross. And what's, what's really interesting about that is that Jesus didn't want, this, I hope this isn't controversial, but Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. It wasn't actually his preference. He didn't wake up that morning and go, awesome, what's on the agenda? Hey, I'm going to the cross. Woohoo, let's do this thing. No, he didn't actually want to do it. If you go and read in your Bible, he says, Lord, if there's a, oh, he says, God, if there's a father, if there's any other way, but your will be done. Which is an interesting stance because he also then says, for the hope set before him, he would go and do it. So he had hope. And, and his hope wasn't in himself. His hope was in the father and the plan of the father, which is quite interesting. But then if you dial it back a bit, and I'm jumping around in my notes that aren't really notes, but... Um, if we can go to, uh, if we can go to Luke 18, um, you can skip to the next verse. So this is something that Jesus says in Luke 18, and he says, 
Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And, and that's quite an interesting thought as well, because why would he say for the hope set before him, he'll go die on the cross, if he was questioning if there'd anybody to, be come, to come back for? And, and there's, a, there's a thought in there, and these are not my thoughts, because I haven't had enough time to think about this passage But there's a sense there of a very real question that Jesus is asking us, that Jesus is asking each one of you. That, and there, there are two ways to meet God. There are those that pass away before he returns, and there are those that are going to be still here when he returns. And I'm not going to get into when he's returning and which of us will still be here. Um, I'm going to actually do a, a Bible study soon on eschatology, for those that are interested in the end times, and you're all welcome to, to come and listen and disagree with me, because <laughs> everybody disagrees about the end times. <laughs> but that's not what I'm g where I'm going to go now. But there's a, there's a question that God is asking of you right now. When he meets with you, and we're all going to meet with him face to face, we're all going to meet with him individually, there's not going to be an opportunity for all of us to stand behind Jethro or behind Eddie or, or behind our comm leader and be like, I just followed that guy. No, every single one of you are going to stand before God one day and he's going to open up the book of everything you did, everything you said, everything you thought, and you're going to fall on your face and beg for forgiveness. Yeah, <laughs> that is what we're all thinking. <laughs> it's a weighty thing to be a Christian. It's a weighty thing to be given the grace of life by God. And Jesus is asking us, do we realize how weighty it is? He's questioning, will you make it till the end? Will you persevere? I didn't want to do this, but I feel like I have to because it's something that God said to me. We were singing a song earlier, and I've been singing that song for years, and suddenly God said to me, you cannot sing that song. And I was like, wow. And you're all thinking, whoa, what song was that? Because I was singing it. And it was the first song we sang. And in the opening line, or somewhere close to the opening line of that song, it says, even if I run away, and Eddie, I'm going to talk to you afterwards about this because I don't know if I, I know that theology and I don't know if it's something we've processed as a church because we sing it in Josh Jen. But, but suddenly I'm thinking, I don't know if I agree with that line even if I run away. Because I can choose to walk away from God and, and He can't stop me. There is one thing that separates you from the love of God. It's you. If you choose to live in sin, if you choose not to repent, if, if you're doing something right now and God is saying to you, stop it, and you don't, then you're in trouble. So if you run away, that's a choice. And that's not a faith choice. 
And I suddenly got this fear of like, we can't be so comfortable as Christians that think that we're covered by the love of God irrespective of our behavior, irrespective, because that's not how Jesus speaks in Scripture. He says, will there be faith? He says, will the people make it to the end? I want them to make it to the end. And the Bible says he is right now next to the Father, interceding for every single one of us, saying, please, Lord, can they make it to the end? But it's up to you. It's up to me. Do we want to make it to the end? Do we want to be in front of him? And if we say yes, then he says, great, repent. And then we repent. And he says, you're clean. And you walk into his presence forever, not looking back. But that's only true if we don't run away, if we don't keep on sinning. And in, that, in the context of, of, the, of the scripture of, of Matthew 18, after that, it comes to the part where it talks about the Pharisee and the tax collector. And the Pharisee, it's, I think it's a parable, the Pharisee's all like, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that guy who's so sinful. And that guy's just like, Lord, I can't even look at you. I'm such a mess. Please forgive me. And in the parable, Jesus says, which one do you think makes it? And so I want to ask, and it's, it's a weighty question, but I'm, I'm landing here. This is all I've got to share. That's all God gave me, but I'm, 